Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. Tom, happy new year to you, man. Good to have you back on the pod. How was Christmas? Uh, it came and went fast. It was good. It was presents were given to small people. Um, <laughs> got to see my brothers. Got to see some other family. Um, it was good. It was nice. It's uh, it's looking pretty green out there. Or a little bit whiter today in Ottawa. But uh, it's been a pretty green Christmas so far. But uh it's always a good time. You? Yeah, 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 yeah. Feelings about Green Christmas? What are what are your feelings toward it? Uh, anxiety sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like a white Christmas. I like the charm of it, but uh, I like winter for about six weeks. I always say, and then I want <laughs> it to go back to to spring. Um, so we're getting a late introduction to winter. It seems this year. So maybe I can maybe I can be content until whatever it is, late April, when we finally lose our snow here in this city. <laughs> yeah, uh, I heard or read, I guess, that uh, El Nino struck again this year, first time in eight years. So, okay, uh, there, the, you know, there's little kids getting gifts and, and a little boy making, making the Christmas green. <laughs> okay, there you go um well man um we've we've got some stuff to talk about it's been a while since uh you've been on the pod and and a big uh some would say christmas gift late christmas gift or sometime in the 12 days of christmas we have uh been you know g given quite the treat uh emmanuel quickly from the knicks along with Mississauga zone, although a lot of folks are saying he's a Toronto boy. They're trying to claim him in, in Toronto. But uh, RJ Barrett uh, back in Canada playing for the Raptors and going to New York. Of course, Malachi Flynn, Precious Achua, and, and likely the centerpiece of the trade for the Knicks, OG Ananobi. My friend, where were you when, when you uh, got the Woj bomb for this trade? I was puttering around my mother-in-law's place on Christmas uh, or whatever it was, the 30th after Christmas, just hanging out. And so then sent off a flurry of texts to my brother. <laughs> and uh, just to, to kind of go through this, it was because of our experience last year at the trade deadline, it felt, I guess it was, it was feeling more and more unbelievable, like that we were just going to be in this holding zone forever. Right. Um, and nothing was going to happen and nothing really happened in the summer. You know, there was, they were, they were knocking on the door for Dame, but obviously that didn't get done. Um, and so it's, it was just a shock to see it happen. It was a shock to see OG be the one to go too, because he, he's so much like, uh, just one of Masai's beloved children. Anytime, <laughs> anytime he gets talked about, right. Like it's, uh, both for the memes of, of, that he's, you know, turning down 25 firsts or whatever from uh, various teams. Um, and just because the way, the way Masai talks about him with just like this, like glowing affection, um, it, it, it didn't seem like he'd be the one to go, but it was a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was uh, with my wife's family and uh, for about, Two hours, I quietly remove myself from, yeah, the, move. from, from the ha family hangout to see the reactions uh, on Twitter from friends. And, uh, of course, I had, um, I had a, a moment of, of, of pride. I had a moment uh, where I might have, my ego might have been, massaged a little bit because okay. in February when uh, when the trade deadline was coming up um, it might have been late January 
I knew that, you know, Fred, Pascal were being talked about. OG was also in the mix. Yeah. And I actually, uh, my best trade idea for OG, because we hadn't got Pirtle yet, was OG for Emmanuel Quickly and Hartenstein. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah, yeah. And I might would have filled it on the cheap. Yeah. So so yeah. When when quickly came, I was like, "This is this is fantastic." Like I can't believe that we got such a good point guard, a young guy. Of course, a lot of people are saying now a Kentucky point guard, which is always special when you think about Shea Gildress and. Jamal Murray and Tyrese Maxey, like all these incredible yep. players. You could throw Tyler Hero in the mix on, yep. on Kentucky guards. But John they, Wall, Devin yeah. Booker. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing pretty well in the league. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. But he's then, uh, he's looking good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. go. Yeah. I was going to say, then when I saw RJ Barrett was in the mix, uh, I was like, oh, wow. Who are we sending? Like the the salaries just don't match up. Who are we sending? If we're and then Precious and Malachi were the were the two guys, and I was a little worried that there might be somebody else, like a like a Gary Trent, for instance. Okay. Um, in, instead of those two guys, again, I know I realized salaries had to match up, but I was pretty surprised that we got what we got from from New York. Originally, there was a first round draft pick and and of course now we know it's kind of a a, a somewhat of a first round draft pick because it's Detroit's second round that's right yeah yeah uh, yeah as but, close as you can get without uh, without it being a first yeah now we've had two games and about a week to to sit on this trade and and think about it um your initial reaction who do you, were you happy? Did you have positive thoughts? What were you, what was your initial reaction to this trade from a, a Raptors team perspective? I think my initial reaction was pretty happy, mostly shock, just mostly shock <laughs> that it happened. Uh, but was pretty happy that I think quickly had been, his name had been tossed around a bit. Um, another reason it was shocking is the obvious lawsuit stuff that, you know, I just didn't, <laughs> I, I I didn't see them working together, and I, I guess I thought if they had any chance of working with the Knicks, you would need like a third team intermediary kind of a thing. But I guess the yeah. the front office folks can set that stuff aside and let the, the billionaires just be mad at each other and glower <laughs> through their lawyers. Um, but uh, yeah, no, happy, and then kind of increasingly happy. The more uh, the t- the details came out, the more I thought about it. Um, you know, you could chalk some of that up to just like rose colored glasses that fans put on, you know, we can talk ourselves into anything. Right. Um, and then until it sort of unravels in front of us and, you know, uh, case in point, I was feeling pretty good and pretty optimistic after preseason this year of the direction of the team. And, you know, thinking about how we were going to be able to leverage our, our size and all this defensive talent. Um, and, you know, sort of with a, like a, a renewed vigor and, you know, no, no longer being kind of spiritually dead, but could go and attack this. Um, and that didn't happen at all. Right. So they, they just kept missing outside shots like they did last year and it just sunk, sunk their spirits apparently. Um, and then we got a real shot maker, a real fast, uh, one of those water bug kind of guards that they say. Uh, who can just kind of slide around in and out of everywhere, and uh, he's mm-hmm. always a threat on the on the floor. Um, and I think the biggest thing is that, not to diminish Barrett and Barrett's Barrett's importance, and and you know the pick is nice too. It's it's an extra little win, an extra yeah. extra little cherry on top. But the main reason it feels like a win is the same thing everybody's been saying: is this it feels like a dude who you could slot in alongside Scotty for the next yeah. half, dec- half decade, hopefully more, and say these two fit together. They're both smart. They both play defense. You leverage Scotty's attacking and passing 
with Quickly's outside game, and it just seems like hand in glove that uh, that they fit so nicely together. Um, so I'm uh, yeah, increasingly thrilled the more I've seen, and the last two games have only uh, have only heightened that too with Quickly going off last night. Yeah, I'll take I'll take five for eight from downtown and twenty five points in a road game against a John Morant led team that, that that's all right for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just unafraid of the moment, just ready to go yeah. at any point. It feels like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is the greenest we're going to be offensively together as, as a, as a closing group. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the greenest we're going to be as a starting group. Um, uh, you know, obviously he's a restricted free agent and we're going to talk about, um, you know, that uh, I'm sure in the summer. But if, if you right now, again, this is initial reaction, two games in, it's early, but just your kind of your gut or like a, an instant reaction, what would you be willing to throw at Emmanuel quickly? What's Give me a number per season that you'd be willing right now to do oh, <laughs> yeah no i uh it, say say if the caps didn't or if the uh cba didn't work the way it did and you could still give that rookie extension i guess is the right. idea right? right um oh yeah i think like 25 a year i'm totally comfortable with i think i'm probably comfortable with more than that um, right i like we'll i guess we'll get the benefit of seeing him do what he does over the next few months um, before th- that's actually time to pay up. Uh, but I think it might be, that might come out better for him really, because I feel like if all of the, all of the kind of game logs we saw when those numbers started coming in after the trade of, you know, these are, these are his regular stats. And then these are his stats when he starts, these are his yeah. stats when, he, when he starts without Jalen Brunson. Yeah. These are just his purse 36 numbers for like the whole of his, his last couple of years. Um, it all points toward a guy who is going to be able to score. I think 20 points a game feels like a low bar for him right now. Yeah. I don't want, yeah. I don't want to go crazy, but like that feels like very much in hand. Uh, so when you, I mean, he's not a, a creator for others in the way that like uh a John Morant is, I guess, right? Like he's not a, a manipulative passer where he's, you know, pulling guys from the weak side and just spraying the ball around everywhere. But he, he could be a solid passer, and I think he can grow into that role more too. Um, so I think he would be happy betting on his upside. And what, as his production goes right now, I think his production is pretty good. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm – I, uh, I mean, the, the thing about this time too – after the first four years, it's it's like what people call what does Brian Windhorse call it? I think he calls it the fun max, right? That it's <laughs> like it's that that's what league office people call these guys. Oh, you can give them the fun max. I don't I don't think he's a max player, but wow. you you can get high with that number, and there's sort of a cap on it because yeah. you can only you can only go whatever twenty five percent of the cap. Um, and as the cap balloons upward, it's it's just there's more space there too. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not shy, but I wouldn't be shy about paying that guy at all. Yeah. When I think about Jordan Poole and Tyler Hero's paycheck, yep. um, I, I think, well, qu- quickly is probably getting at least that. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. As, uh, I mean, it'll be, it'll be partly too, because the Raptors clearly need him. Like you can't, yes. um, you, you yes. can't kind of play games. I think Masai cool. also pays guys too. That yeah. that's been sort of a staple. Whether he he might have inherited that kind of from from Brian Colangelo when he was coming up under him at the time, as uh, that that was always a Colangelo thing, right? Of like he wanted to show that he believed in his guys. He wanted to show he believed in Amir or he believed in Demar, and to to reward them with a contract and say, you know, you're you're part of our long term vision here. Uh, I think yeah. Masai kind of does that too. He wants. Yeah. I think he wants Toronto to be a place where players know they're wanted and their their work is valued, and that we're not trying to nickel and dime them on uh, on the back end of stuff, which never is that important anyway. I think there's too much um, 
they're definitely on the internet. I think there's too much hype about good contracts and bad contracts. And right. If, if a guy's, if a guy's good, he's worth paying. And if, yeah. you know, it's more the guys who aren't good and who can't get on the floor and who cost $8 million a year. That's what you got to worry about. But, um, but yeah, star or close to star production, pay him his money. Yeah. Now, if uh, well, last Emmanuel quickly question, then we'll get to the home home talent. Um, w- when you think about Fred Van Vliet being the starting point guard last year, mm-hmm. and you think about who came off the bench as the the the, the bench point guard, the the backup point guard. Yep. And you, you you look ahead to this year after this trade, and now you've got Emmanuel quickly starting and Dennis Schroeder coming off yep. your bench. That's I it. Think you have to feel pretty good, don't you? <laughs> that's absolutely it. That's that's another thing I was texting my brother. That, that uh, it is it is as good as quickly is, and he's been fantastic. Almost the bigger thing was not to denigrate Malachi, but the jump from Malachi to, to Schroeder is massive. He, massive. He, pre- he presents a different kind of pace, a different guy you have to be worried about. His downhill attacking is just a different thing. He's more of a, a little bit more of a natural point guard. Um, and you can play them together too, as they did to close last night. Um, yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's all of a sudden a, from a deficit to an advantage seemingly that you have 40, 48 minutes of really good point guard play, um, yeah. which we haven't had since Lowry left and, and right. him and him and Freddie were splitting duties. Um, and to be honest too, as, as good as Lowry was in, he was, he still had it in Tampa, but he could only sort of summon it in spurts in Tampa at that point, I think. Yeah. Um, as he, he was kind of sliding into that, that late period of his career. For sure. For sure. I mean, I, this might be the fastest point guard duo we've ever had on our team. Oh, seriously. Well. Right. I, I don't know who else would even, who else would even write Lowry was quick enough, but not yeah. in early career Lowry, or early for us career. Lowry was pretty fast, but not explosive. TJ Ford was real quick, but, Mm-hmm. Jose wasn't Jose was just sort of steady <laughs> and he could turn the corner around the around a pick and roll pretty quick but not much other than that I don't, yeah n- nobody else would even really rate for just raw speed in the open floor yeah these these guys are uh th- they've got gears that we haven't seen I mean I, I was watching uh some highlights of Fred Van Vliet last year and I realized he was coming off some injuries. I've, I've watched him play this year, but Fred is stuck in second gear compared to a quickly intruder. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And stuck in second gear probably as a decision maker too. Not, and I don't even mean that as a knock against Fred, but that's like he's a very careful point guard, Freddie, on offense. Yeah. yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll be kind of gutsy when it comes to calling his own number and taking a shot. But yep. he's very much averse to turnovers. So yep. the down the downside of Freddie is always he'll dribble the air out of the ball if he can't find what he wants, right? Uh, and what he wanted in sort of a slow plotting system we had the last few years was probably just to like find Pascal and Pascal would turn his back and kind of go to work in the post or something. Um, and so yeah, with IQ and and with Dennis, you just have more speed, more stuff is going on. And it's Darko too, I guess, right? The ball is yeah. pinging around much, much more um, than we've seen in years. Um, really since, I guess, when they kind of wanted to culture reset when Dwayne Casey was still the coach and they yeah. you know, gave all the credit to Nick Nurse for, for revamping the offensive system. Um, how much of that was actually Nurse and how much of it was just a total coaching staff job? I don't know, right. who knows? I, yeah. I always feel I always feel like uh, Dwayne Casey gets the raw end of the deal with that. He kind of gets talked about as like just an old timey culture setter or something, and not a not a basketball mind. But um, anyway, it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's fantastic to watch. It's just fun. It, yeah, it's fun it to, fun to cheer for a team that is not just hoping we can get the next offensive rebound because we're going to break <laughs> our next shot. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Well, let's move on to RJ, and then and then we'll talk about these guys and, and Darko system and, and the rest of the team. But uh, RJ obviously has a few more years left on his contract. I think three after this season. It could be even four. Um, I don't know if there's a player option in there, but we'll worry about that later. He's on the team for a while. Should we yeah. want to keep him? Um, tell tell me uh, one thing positive that that really stood out for you in watching him in the first two games. I think it's aggression. Like it's it's both it's both the positive and the the yeah slight and the negative with him. Right? Is that he is. It's a little bit of the Westbrook thing. Um, yeah. He's go- he's going for that rim, and he's going for it every time, um, and that's that's great for the most part. If he can if he can pick his spots and do it judiciously, I think his floor game's nice. Like it, certainly in comparison to OG too, who yeah. we all know was kind of a, a, a plodding dribbler, um, doesn't have for as gifted as an athlete. Like it's such a weird thing with OG because he was so his body was so perfectly athletic, athletically attuned to being a stopper, right? He had yep. s- kind of slow footwork, but like perfect footwork. Like he was always angling guys the right way, could flip his hips back and forth so easy. But on offense, he kind of has like, he'd lose his balance or he'd just kind of get over his skis or something. And 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 uh, yeah. you don't have that with RJ at all. You have, um, he's a much more, natural ball handler he's got he's you know you can tell he kind of had a dad who played because he had a ton of of guard reps probably coming up as a kid um and then so when he grew into his big six foot seven body he could pull those forward and and uh you know grow with that so i think that that's great to see just the floor game really i and and because he attacks he's going to be kind of a beast in transition i think too we've seen a little bit of that already um, yeah, I think uh, I think quickly hit him with like sort of a gorgeous hit ahead pass last night. Um, just caught him right in stride, and he just bursted straight to the rim, which was wonderful to see. Uh, I forgot how strong RJ Barrett was. He's a big dude, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like we we talk about how strong OG is, and he is. Yeah. And OG's strength often comes from his lower half. He, he's got these like thighs, right. that, you know, you see uh, the All Blacks uh, have, you know, for, for uh, New Zealand rugby, just these massive guys who, yeah. who can just push so much weight. Um, but RJ Barrett's chest <laughs> and arms are ridiculously strong. Like he's gone through a couple guys or the, you know, there's contact that comes on him and he's just able to go through contact so easily on the layups. It's very, very impressive. It's true. Um, Yeah. Yep. He's yeah. He's something to watch for that for just for power. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, one thing I think that a lot of people forget in this trade, because, uh, you know, some people, their first reaction is, oh, we've seen him in New York. We've seen him for Canada. He, he's a bit one dimensional. And I think people forget that this guy is 23 years of age. He was drafted third in the 2019 draft. Yeah, he, he might be one-dimensional, but he's got his whole career ahead of him. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He could, yeah, he's he's got lots of time to to add dimensions to his game. His jump shot, it's not like it's broken. He's he's a he's an acceptable three-point shooter. Uh, yeah. I think he'll be I think he'll be fine in the corners on the catch and shoot. Um, so if he can grow that little by little, great. I think he'll also benefit from this kind of free-flowing. Um, pass happy Darko system. Yep. Um, not that we have the spacing and the shooting we'd want to have for the team at this point, but I, I think um, as that kind of grows, just as the ball moves, you know, he, he can make some nice reads in that and then find his space more. I think, you know, the, the, the Nick system from what I've watched and what I've heard other people say is very, very plotting, very ISO heavy, which yep. works for, you know, Jalen Brunson can seemingly 
either take anybody off the dribble or just like give them eight fakes and then all of a sudden he's gotten up and under at the rim or or Julius Randall likes to you know do do his own one-on-one stuff back down take fadeaways you know bully ball what at what have you um so that kind of stuff just you know you know we saw it with the Raptors in the last couple of years when you run yeah. that kind of offensive system everybody only thinks in those sorts of terms and so you know if OG wants to grow his game he's got to get some one-on-one moves and start you know taking the taking the ball to the hoop himself or or uh, getting into a 15 footer um so i th- i think rj kind of sliding into to darko's world a little bit more might be really helpful for him as just a you know maybe he's coming at you not the first time he touches the ball but after it swings back around to him and he can shot fake and go you know it's uh yeah. we'll see but I'm optimistic now. Yeah. I'm, when I was watching the first half of the Cleveland game, just the first half, I must have repeated myself like 15 times, really annoyed the hell out of my daughter and my father who I was watching the game with. Um, my wife's used to me repeating myself. She just, she just tuned me out. But um, I, I just couldn't believe how fluid the, the play was. And I realized not only do we have a great passing center, not only do we have two big wings in in Scotty and Pascal who love to move the ball, who are great passers from many areas of the floor. Now we're adding quickly to that. And Schroeder might come in if if you go small uh, to that as well. RJ Barrett is going to get a lot of easy buckets in the half court. I think. I think so too. Yeah. I, I think is as he, yeah, as he settles into it, I, I think Darko's emphasis on cutting uh, yeah. can only, can only help him uh, if they're cutting along the 45s or going along the, the, the baseline. Um, there's all kinds of opportunities for that. Yeah. There are a lot of guys who can pass. There are a lot of guys who, uh, when they put the ball on the floor, they keep their head up and they're looking for stuff. Um, and I, I guess a, a dynamite thing too, that uh, the last two games, I don't think it's just happenstance or, or, or circumstance. Pirtle looked a lot better the last two games. Yep. Um, there, was a, there was a quick little, um, quickly got him with a pocket pass, like on a high pick and roll. Yep early in the first game and it was, and I think Pirtle put the ball on the deck once and then went up and dunked it with two hands. And it was just yep. fantastic to see that when defense has to pay attention to a guard behind the three point arc like that, like when they have to kind of panic, um, you can leverage that into so much. And and we know Pirtle can do stuff like he could also take one dribble. And if the defense has collapsed, he can make good reads out of that short roll too. Um, so hopefully we see a bit of a rejuvenation with him because he's, I think he's a good player. I think he's, he's not having his best year, um, but he, he's a, he's a smart player who plays hard and, and can help a team. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it seems like I'm, I'm sure there's a, there's a, a mental response to all of this. Um, you know, they probably knew a trade was looming. Uh, yep. The rumors were starting to get, you know, circulated more quickly. And, uh, you know, I think Masai tries to, to communicate to his players that, that something is happening as well. Um, but there's no doubt, as you said, that there was, there was just a, 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 you know, a, a little more bounce in the player step. And you could see it from Pirtle. You could see it from Gary, especially in that first game. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, Gary's shot's going to – it's going to come. The guy is too good. He's hit too too many shots in his early career. He's, he's going to be fine. And uh, it's it's exciting, man. It's exciting to, to see a group of guys play in a system with a coach who just wants to love on his players like a father. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it's fun to watch. And I, and I think, you know, all the talk of moving the ball quickly and uh, leveraging the great playmaking of, of so many of these guys, 
I think it's 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 just going to be contagious, and and we're going to see more of it, and and they're going to get free dinners out of it because you know three wins in a row is coming fast. It's got to uh, come eventually, right? It's got to come. Sacramento, you're in trouble. Yeah. Although I don't yeah. know if the players want to eat in Sacramento. Maybe they get a, a meal in LA after. Oh yeah, playing. yeah, that's right. Or maybe <laughs> Golden State's coming up soon. The, the San Francisco's got to yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, okay, we've had one trade. Obviously, Fred left in the summer. We know yeah. from now until February eighth or ninth, whatever the trade deadline is. Um, you know, there's going to be more conversations of trades. How? What are you thinking? Uh, who? Who's? Who's most likely to get traded on this team for, for you? Don't worry about what, you know, the media uh, have said or, you know, what uh, trade machine offers. What are you thinking? Have you, for these two games, we've seen enough to, to maybe change people's minds, but what are your thoughts on, on more trades? Tom? I don't know. It's most likely is a tricky one because it's who knows with Masai and Bobby, they keep it uh, <laughs> close to the vest. Um, I think because of how because of how rough the last month and a half was, yeah. you know, just watching them kind of fall apart in a way that, in retrospect, was fully predictable, right? Like that um, that the team just didn't fit properly together, and they tried to kind of ignore too many common sense things about the NBA of, of like just the necessity of shooting, the necessity of guard play. And they kind of just tried to brute force it with uh, lots of big rangy wing guys um, and a little bit of hope that, you know, maybe Malachi <laughs> could really turn a corner or whatever. Um, or, you know, that uh, guys who haven't shot great would shoot better. You know, Scotty did, but nobody else uh, really came along for the ride. Um, I'm open to a Siakam trade, I think, at this point. I don't think it's a necessity. Um but if they can find good value, I, I think it might be time, um, which is painful because I, I really love Siakam. He's been such a fun player. Um, it, co it comes from a bunch of directions for, for me for this. Like, I think, uh, I mean, for one thing, just the threat of him leaving for nothing is a disaster. We all know it's a disaster. Yeah. Um, so as long as that threat looms, um, it feels like either extend him or move him um, because I don't want them rolling the dice and him, and, you know, and, you know, Joel Embiid sweet talking him in the summer or something about how great <laughs> it would be for the two of them to play together. And, and you're just, you're lost, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's too, uh, it, it's, it's too crushing for a guy who's an all NBA level talent to lose yeah. or nothing. Uh, I think what that could do for the team is it would hurt. It would be in the short term, it would not be, you would not get player value back that would match him by any means. We know that. Yeah. Uh, you're not get you're not getting an all NBA guy level guy back unless they tried something wild like you know, flipping him for Zach Levine or something, which I don't think is a good idea. And I don't no. think that's that's not the Raptors type of move either. Um so you would restock the cupboard basically. You try to try to find a mix of players and picks get those you know look for another quickly kind of a thing another guy who's um who's good and young and could be more i you know ben matherin's name's been kicked around a lot mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and jarris walker too on indiana i i think we probably don't quite have the need for andrew nemhard anymore given that that the yeah. role quickly is is expected to take up um, but you know, or McConnell for that matter, <laughs> or TJ McConnell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Unless we're uh, unless we're we're moving off of uh, Schroeder as well, or something. Right. Then, then fair enough. Um, but yeah, I so so that kind of thing. There are, there are other teams out there too. Whether I don't know Sacramento's into it or OKC's into it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, a mix of a mix of players and picks would be interesting to me. I haven't heard anybody toss around Brooklyn very much. That one is kind of interesting to me of like, they've got some stuff. Um, 
I, I, somebody like Cam Johnson as mm-hmm. a as a replacement for Pascal, who shoots the ball really well, is not near the level of player as Pascal. Um, but you know, plays defense well, plays off the ball well, uh, opens up the floor more, and then because that kind of a thing, whether it's a good shooting guard or a forward who can shoot. Um, again, just opens things up a little bit more. Pirtle gets more room to roam. roam. Um, he's more of a threat diving down the lane because there aren't dudes in his way. And, you know, the other drivers uh, don't have to contend with other guys in the post-up spots or the dunker spot. Um, and that it also kind of gives the reins to to Scotty and quickly too a little bit more and to just to force them to grow a little bit more. Um, I don't think we have to chase... I don't think the team has to chase too much success this year. I hope they don't over press for it. You know, I know, I know our pick's gone, but uh, keep saying we. Um, <laughs> I do it all the time, my friend. I know, I know. It's 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 unstoppable. Um, yeah. So th- that those are my kind my kind of thoughts on it. I don't mind if they keep them as as long as they extend them, um, right. and then and then I'll just get the you know. I'll get to continue watching and, enjoy, and enjoying Pascal Siakam because that guy rules. Um, yeah. And whatever whatever team that trades for him would be really lucky to have him. Like, um, he's he's a fantastic basketball player, and I don't think other fans of other fan bases realize what is potentially on the table with him because he's so so good. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know. There are other possible ones, like you know, kick the tires on a Gary move, maybe. If that could get you some value back, fine. I'm also fine with re-signing Gary, um, or and I'm also fine with re-signing slash just testing the waters with Gary. Like, you know, that's not the same kind of disaster. If he if he were to walk, um, you take the space and move right. on. Yep. Somebody like yep. Otto Porter, if you get a couple of second rounders for him, something like that. But but who knows? What are your thoughts yep. on it though? Like what um, I've been blabbing on a while. What where do you stand on? on more moves and I don't know, maybe big moves. So for, for me, when I look at the trade they made and the fact that they got two guys back, two guys who can start, um, RJ Barrett could be the fourth guy on the starting lineup. He could be seen as the fifth guy in the starting lineup. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think we won that trade hands down and I think it's going to show itself more and more the longer this goes because of how young RJ is. I mean, Emmanuel quickly is only 24 as well. Uh, but I think they're both going to get better and get better in the ways that we need them to get better. And Precious and OG weren't going to offer us that, you know, that improvement where no. we needed improvement. Um, yep. And so for me, I, I was talking uh, a couple pods ago uh, about how we've drafted in the last four or five drafts and how Mm -hmm. we often, even with Grady Dick, look for something very specific as like a Band-Aid solution for the, you know, mishaps or for for the... um, the shortfalls of, of our team, the, the areas of weakness of our team. And so we didn't have three great three point shooting. And so we draft a three point shooter. We didn't have a center because Messiah and Bobby, you know, allowed Aaron Baines to be our starting center. And so we, we draft a guy like uh, Christian Coloco. Obviously Scotty was a hell of a talent, but mm-hmm. I always was on, uh, you know, of the belief that as much as you want to draft specific uh, players or with specific skill sets, it's always the best to draft the best player available, which is what Miami has done time and time again, including uh, this past season when they absolutely robbed the NBA by getting um, Yemez, uh, Yemez uh, uh, Hakez, right? Oh, Jaime Hakez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jaime Hakez. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm like, so I, I think about that and I, and I put that principle into the trade, um, uh, you know, into the trade deadline with the Raptors. And I think who would be the best available 
player within the like trade rumors that I'm hearing about. Mm -hmm. And I have to be honest with you. I know I hold a bias just like you, but of the guys who are on the trade block, I think the best player who offers the most talent to a team is Pascal Siakam. Fully agree. So why would I want to trade a top 20 or 25? You can, you know, you can argue with me about whether he's top 20 or top 25. Why would I want to trade this guy for a lesser value when what I need is a guy who offers me so many skills and, and can provide so many advantages in both the half court and the full court? in transition as well. And Pascal just does so many good things. And he hasn't once been in the press asking to play more, asking to get the ball more, asking to score more, all this kind of stuff. He's not doing that. And when you watch him play, he's not trying to like, you know, take over in any kind of way. He's literally trying to do the thing the team needs them to do that would get the advantage against the team they're playing against. And so I, even this year where they have definitely focused more on Scotty, the guy who offers you the best besides Scotty in that kind of upper tier of the NBA, but also, um, you know, the, a number two type guy be, beside Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam fits really well. Now, would you like to him to shoot 40% from downtown? Well, in the last 14 games, he's doing that. Do you think that uh, Jason Tatum would want Jalen Brown beside him? Or do you think that he'd want Pascal Siakam beside him? Some would say that they had to go out and get Porzingis because Brown couldn't do the things that they were hoping Brown could do. Part of that is he, he turns the ball over and, and Pascal is a guy who, who is able to do a lot with the ball in his hand. So for me, like when I think of trading Pascal Siakam, I'm like, who am I getting back? Um, and I, it's, and, yeah, know, yeah, I totally realize, fair. I realize what you said, like there is a financial component. There is, you know, mm -hmm. do we get anything for him? I think that's a harder question to ask, certainly from this side uh, yeah. of, of uh, the operation. Um, you know, Messiah and Bobby have a little more knowledge on that than I do. But from a basketball standpoint, from what he offers on the floor, I just can't see why – you would trade him. Um, Gary Trent Jr., uh, I, I think, will probably benefit from what um, we've done in this particular trade. And as you said, if he walks, it's not as huge of a deal. And we got a, we just drafted a guy who's, who's developing in the 905 and Grady Dick, who's supposed to answer some of those questions that we were hoping Gary would be able to do, and he'll be okay to come off the bench. So I'm not yeah. sure that I would trade, um, but if I do trade, and this is what I said in the summer too, you have to talk to me about a guy of the same level as Jalen Brown. Zach Levine's not him. Maybe Mikel Bridges, but I don't see Brooklyn doing that. And Jalen yeah. Brown's contract is now worth $50 million a season. And I don't think Messiah and Bobby want to take that much money on either. So that's kind of no. where I'm. Yep, that's all fair. I, yeah, I think from a basketball perspective, you're you're totally right. I, I think that's that's um, that's the bulk of it, really, too. And, and so if you're if you're looking to build out the team long term, and you want to to sign him. I think that makes perfect sense. I guess the age aspect would be another would be another factor to consider too. I don't think Pascal's going to fall off a cliff. I think he's got a good injury history for one thing. I think he'll age out well. Um, he's smart. He's good at playing and in at multiple gears. Uh, his quickness is obviously a massive advantage. But as he as he kind of gets into his thirties, I think he'll be he'll um, he'll be set to kind of you know work the old man game a little bit more too. 
and he's got just such a nice 15 foot fade away now too that's pretty tough to deal with like you, you can't block that shot really um so he can, he can kind of work that a little bit more um i think the thing i th- i i find so strange um <laughs> it's it seems like nba it seems like this is how the league feels yeah because um, i've heard lots of reporters kind of like you know i've heard the zach low types talk about this and i just don't get it and maybe and you know maybe case in point is like that they traded og i don't understand why people why front offices were so much more willing to give up a lot for og than they were for pascal i understand the fit <laughs> issue right yeah um you know og fits everywhere he can play the two he can play the three he can play the four he's a catch and shoot guy that's easy to slot in on offense doesn't need the ball a lot good cutter all fits he's such a rock star defender that you know that's going to play everywhere too but pascal siakam's way better than og oh way better than og it's not close right it's not we're not we're not talking about like a 35 year old who's like, Oh, does he have like two more good years? Like, no, he's going to be good for a while. He'll be a star level player for a while. So it's, it's wild to me that I can understand front offices trying to get him on the cheap. Yes. But I, I, I got to think that like a team who has, if a team has the guts and the Raptors are willing if somebody if somebody's going to pony up for for Pascal, they're not going to be disappointed. Like he would oh, shred next to Tyrese Halliburton. Oh. They could do all sorts. Like he he could he can play fast and just be part of just that like hellacious attacking style. They could also when they need to slow it down, they've had trouble doing that. They could play two man game two man game with those two. You know, Pascal can t- take it in the post and do his thing. He's such a good passer. He's a good cutter. I, like he's a terrific basketball player. I I just don't get it that like the fit issue is not as big as I I think people are making it into. Um, like it doesn't need to be a perfect fit. You're getting a star if you have Pascal Siakam on your team. Yeah, I think I think NBA media types love to downplay certain players that either don't like the limelight or don't care about the pomp and circumstance. And I'll give you another uh, example of this at different personality, different position completely, but a guy who constantly got downplayed, a a guy who constantly was, was said within the media that, oh, he's not really that good or he's not as good as he thinks he is or that his team thinks he is, is Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Jimmy Butler is the second best player for the last four years of every playoffs. And yet you get into these, well, you know, was he really that good? Did he have that much of an impact? You know, did he play that many regular season games? Whoa, what does that have to do with the playoffs? What does that have to do with the biggest moments? And, oh, he's a bit undersized for that position. You know, he doesn't show up as consistently here or there. When it matters most, Jimmy Butler has shown up time and time again. And I think because he doesn't like the All-Star game, he doesn't like the media, he's not going to, you know – pay too much attention to stats in the regular season. I think a lot of media people are down them. And I think Pascal, mm-hmm. ha- there's a similarity with him because um, he, he's not a guy who looks for the limelight. He, he's not a guy that's, um, you know, making a show really uh, of anything. Like, you know, he gets he gets dolled up, so to speak, on Instagram and he likes traveling and stuff like that. But he's he's not hobnobbing, you know, at yeah. Vegas, and he, you know, he's he's not like making clicks with like the best players. Like he he loves hanging out with Jakob Pertl, you know. Yeah, that's right. And Rico Hines. That's basically it. Yeah. 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 
It's yeah. So because he doesn't do all those things, I think the media don't see him as a darling and they don't hype him up the same way as, as other players do it. It doesn't help that he's in Toronto. It doesn't help that he's not American. I think yeah. if he was either of those things or both of those things, I think there'd be a whole lot more hype, but yeah, this is, this is a top 20, top 25 guy who can do legitimately everything on the court well and some yep. things exceptionally well, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's elite at multiple things and good enough at basically every other thing. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't get it. He's, he's, he, he should be more sought after. And I, it almost feels like a, a dumb excuse too when people are say, you know, well, you know, it's a rental. You got to be, you know, worried about resigning him. Like if you're, if you're a good team, you got a yeah. great star, SGA, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, he would, he would fit in those places so well. Yeah, I got. I gotta believe he would like playing with those guys. Um, it would. It would not be a difficult thing to convince him to stick around long term on those sorts mm-hmm. of teams. And you know, there, there's there's the, enough back channeling too that can go on, where you can you can figure that stuff ahead out ahead of time. Um, so I don't know. I I, I think we're we're kind of half on each other's page here and. and <laughs> Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. Of just keep them. Um, if they do that, please, please, please um, uh, give them an extension because I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, sweat out July first, and, and uh, you know, I, I want I want boring news on July first of the Raptors sign some serviceable eighth man to half right. of the MLE or something like that. Yeah, let's yeah. keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the next five weeks are going to be uh, a bit nerve-wracking for me, to be honest. Uh, do I own a Pascal Siakam jersey? I do. Do I want to wear that proudly when he's still a Toronto Raptor on February 10th? I do. Fair. Um, but these next yep. five weeks are going to be nervy. And again, there's a business component uh, to this that yep. uh, I don't have to think through, but I, I really do hope that you're right. If they don't trade him, they sign him doing this extension and, and they give him good money. He's worth at least 40 million a year, to be honest. Um, yeah. So. No, darn right. Yeah. Worth yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's finish the pod on a positive note and a bit of a tribute if possible. Give me your favorite Malachi precious and OG moment, if you could. I know I'm putting you on the spot. If you need me to start, I can do so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite Malachi moment. Um, oh, gosh. Poor Malachi <laughs> didn't get to play enough. He, I mean, he was fun during that terrible Tampa season. He was. When yeah. I, I think he, he won Rookie of the Month. He had some nice games in there. Uh, he had the hilariously awkward uh, – social media moment where he said uh, women are the only ones who can procreate uh, uh, which which will live in it raptors infamy forever of uh, poor, poor guy poor guy just had a brain fart when somebody stuck a camera in his face and they decided to post that ridiculous they, they decided to post that for women <laughs> like, oh, i don't i don't know if, if, if the, the uh our many fine female fans uh, really felt uh, respected and loved upon after that came out, but it came out anyway. That was fun, but um, but uh, um, precious. What was Precious's best moment? It was. It's got to be in that second half of his first season with the team, right when he yeah, was kind of yeah. taking off. Probably that pull up jumper. He that pull up three. He hit in uh, Embiid's face, where it was just you were. Every game, it was like, Precious is shooting the three well. Is this a real thing? This looks like a real thing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, just full transition, which is the full Precious experience. Of he's, <laughs> you're just looking at him like, oh, don't do that, Precious. You no, don't don't take that shot. And but that day he took that shot. That day he made that shot. So that was <laughs> we were flying high then. Uh, and favorite OG moment. There, there are like a thousand favorite OG moments, and, and everybody's been bringing them up on the yeah. in the Raptors world lately. It feels like um, 
there I'll, I'll throw out a handful the the early flashpoint of this guy is going to be as good defensively as we hoped when it was like two weeks into his rookie season and he guarded James Harden and he mm. locked up prime James Harden. That was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the 0.5 second shot, of course. Of course. Um, and him just stone-faced <laughs> acting like he was he was walking to the grocery store after it ruled. Um, as, as painful as it was, the three he hit, uh, against the Cavs in game three of, I guess, 2018. Oh, yes. Because we know what happened next, but just that he was that fearless. He just passed yeah. faked, took the three, made it, and showed a little bit of emotion that time. I think he did a little fist pump or something, which was rare for him. Um, oh, gosh, just a million of them, right? Just a million brilliant uh, steals where he, you know, poke the ball away. The way he just... I get would flip his hips back and forth at the free throw line that you couldn't get by him. If you got a step on him, he would just with his strength and intelligence, he would just wedge himself back into it. Um, and, and then all, all of a sudden end up contesting the shot perfectly, just a fantastic basketball player. Um, and one of the most hilarious and delightful uh, <laughs> NBA quotes or, or non quotes that, that uh, we've seen. Yes. What are your What are your moments? I, I want to. What do you got that I what, that I didn't uh, lay down? Uh, there was a game Malachi Flynn played in that Tampa year. I think all of his career highs came in like five weeks at the end of that Tampa yeah, season. That's absolutely right. Him and Jalen Harris both. Yeah, yeah, and Gary. Gary and him went on a tear mm-hmm. together a few nights, and. That's right. he, in one of those games, it was early April against the Cavs. Uh, I think the Raptors, if I'm not mistaken, that might have been the game where they like scored like 75 points <laughs> in the first half. And Malachi had a bunch of threes. He had a bunch of assists. Gary was great. And it just looked like, holy shit, is this the, our future backcourt? <laughs> like, yeah. it, it just – there was a, a, a magical time – to those last five weeks, six weeks of the season with those guys getting so many minutes, knowing Kyle was leaving. And, you know, uh, it was more than rose-colored glasses. I think we were, like, eating mushrooms at the end of that season and, get, you know, going psychedelic to think that uh, Malachi was going to be the guy he was, uh, that yeah. you know, we, th- we were hoping he was going to be. But uh, no, that I think that was the real highlight, which really sucks <laughs> to think about. It's a, it's a shame, yeah, yeah. You want to see better for the kid that, uh, yeah. that he can get it, he can get a shot, and yeah, know, earn a real a real full time backup role at the very least would be cool for him. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Precious had some great catches on lobs. He had one this season from Pascal, yep. I think that was really nice, and one from Schroeder, one from Pirtle, even. Uh, that those were really nice. Um, Precious also had this really great, like inside out dribble on Embiid on the wing. I don't know if it was a regular season game or if it was game four of the playoffs when yeah. we played them and we were down 3 0 and needed a win, but he just crossed up Embiid and Embiid, like. That could have been the series for Embiid if he if he buckled too hard. <laughs> that that yeah. was pretty special. Um, I also uh, away from the court, he was part of Giants of Africa Nigeria um, last summer. So uh, so it would have been sorry twenty twenty two summer, going into the 2022-2023 season, and he had all the kids singing a burner boy song with him and it was just like this you know moment of inspiration moment of fun moment of like nigerian basketball coming of age it was beautiful uh so i i will always remember that moment very affectionately um og i love I loved many plays that OG made those, uh, those um, signature steals at like almost half court, as you were talking about where, you know, he would then 
uh, be you know six steps ahead of any defender and then calculate how he was going to do a reverse dunk. Those are pretty special. Yeah. Uh, but the moments that I really loved OG for in the court is when he did something violent <laughs> to someone. <laughs> you did not expect Dennis Schroeder. A violent man. He did something to Schroeder, of course. Yeah. We all know that one. But he was always in the mix. Like he wanted to throw down. <laughs> you know, I don't know if he was a yeah, he, player and he, an old he was in a, fully old. unintimidated. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the only guy that he would have stepped, you know, would have stepped back and 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 stepped away from was James Johnson, which we, you know, he has such a legendary uh, kind of, um, you know, feel and 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 the way people view him is <laughs> yeah. he should not be messed with. But OG just never backed down, like Robin Lopez, who always likes to get in the mix and he's a freaking huge dude. OG wouldn't back down at all from that's right. That. Yeah. Um, early, and, early career OG against uh, Marquise Morris in the playoffs. Remember that one? Yeah. Where, where, where Morris tried to punk him and tried to try uh -huh. to go bully ball on the Raptors. And I just remember in the scrum, you could see OG's face from the telecast. And I apologize if this will cause you post-production work, but uh, you just see oh, you just see OGs just saying one word constantly. It's just bitch, bitch, bitch. <laughs> Marquise Morris. That uh, yeah, he 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 uh, he wasn't afraid of anybody. Yeah, you know, if the Raptors ever went WWE, a Serge Ibaka. OG and Anobi tag team yeah. would be yeah. fire and ice. That's uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they could have scarves, you know, coming into the ring with scarves. Oh, what a theme! Yeah, couple of um, handsome, handsome devils. Yeah, yeah. Which which brings up, uh, of course, another off the court moment with Serge at Holt Renfrew picking out, uh, you know, various clothing items, and of course, the scarves are talked about. Um, so yeah, just OG, it was just a really fun guy with a great sense of humor and, you know, a, a ball player that is going to find himself a lot of money and, and a position on any, literally any team. Yep. And, uh, I would look forward to Scotty Barnes, OG and OG and OB duos in the Atlantic Conference for the last for the next five six years, man. It's going to be painful when he's clamping up Pascal or uh, or Scotty down the line because uh, yeah, he can cause anybody fits. But uh, yeah, wish him well. Definitely, definitely. They they got a real uh, a stud and they got a, a real gem in OG and OB in NYC. Well, my friend. Uh, I realize the time. I appreciate it as always. And I look forward to uh, talking to you again with more wins uh, in the win column this season for this Toronto Raptors team. Yep. Here, here. <laughs> All right, man. Peace. The days are getting longer. The sun is shining more and more each day. A new dawn has begun. You could call this the break of dawn. Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett have joined forces with the Toronto Raptors. Of course, OG Ananobi out. But with this trade comes two straight wins, maybe. Maybe, just maybe, we'll see a third win in Sacramento tonight. To discuss the trade and all that it entails, both the guys who are coming in and the guys who left, obviously Malachi Flynn and Precious Achua, are out there in New York. My man Tom Anderson hopped on the pod to discuss this very big event in the Toronto Raptors to start the 2024 calendar year. Exciting stuff. If you've watched 
Emmanuel quickly play. If you've watched what this team looks like with more speed, with more creativity, with more aggressive offensive play and and decisiveness, you're probably very excited, having fun, like myself, watching these games and, and really the fan base. Nothing but positivity. Um, we wish OG, Precious, and Malachi all the best. OG and his new team, the New York Knicks, have already found a fit. Julius Randle calls it the perfect fit. And the Knicks are 2-0, and so they are perfect just like we are. So it seems like it's worked out for both teams. But regardless, I want to get you... Uh, into the conversation that that Tom and I had and hear Tom, his perspective, his insights on this. Um, Such a smart guy, such an articulate guy. So hope you enjoy this conversation between myself and my friend, Tom Anderson. Peace.